It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Deanna, the rain. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero, Deanna. Thank you. I like the name of your show, Become Your Own Superhero, because we need to be more empowered to become our own superhero. So I like it. And thanks for having me on. I'm glad that we finally got a chance to connect. Yeah, well, you're a fascinating individual, Dan, and I, um, <laughs> and I, and I really wanted an opportunity to mm-hmm. let you share your side of the story because mm. your background is really interesting to me, and 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 I'd love for you just to give us a little wee synopsis of who who the heck Deanna Lorraine is. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in California, United States of America. Um, I. Um, Let's see, you know, when I was, I would say like starting with my career, I actually started my career as a personal development and relationship coach. And I originally wanted to be a relationship and marriage family therapist because I wanted to, wanted to strengthen marriages and families and prevent divorce. I'm a child of divorced parents myself. So growing up in a nice Growing up in a, in a father absent home and a kind of a broken home for many times in my life, it's, it takes a toll on you. And you realize later that, you know, the family unit is really, really powerful and it's important to keep it together. So, you know, so I went on a quest to save all the relationships and families in the world. So I wanted to become a marriage and family therapist. But when I quit my corporate job at the ripe old age of 23, and I tried to be a marriage and family therapist at that point. I, people were looking at me like, you're like a little pipsqueak and you're five foot three and you're trying to tell me what to do. And I'm like 60. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, like, you know, it was just too, it was too young. Like people, people, real, people thought I didn't have enough life experience or it was just, it was too young. So, so then, you know, I decided I'll put, get my MFT license, my marriage and family therapist license, uh, you know, down the road. And in the meantime, I'll study to get my uh, coaching certifications and I will specialize in relationships and confidence building and personal development. So I, I opened up my coaching business and then I started working with individuals and singles and also couples too on their relationships and their uh personal lives and developing their social skills, their confidence and all of those things. And my coaching business really took off actually. And it was really successful. And I became uh, well known in the coaching world for coaching people on their relationships and on their confidence. So I coached men and women and couples. And then, and I had a popular YouTube channel where I'd give advice and everything. And then somewhere down the line, about five years ago or so, I started getting really frustrated with our culture. And I started seeing, you know, the people that would come in to work with me, 
And they were just a lot of, a lot of them were so broken. And a lot of the men that were lacking confidence, it was, I noticed a trend. They would come from father absent homes and they didn't have someone to really guide them on how to be confident, how to be a good, strong man in the world. And then I noticed that feminism, radical feminism was just really beating men down and boys and disempowering them, castrating them. And, you know, this radical feminism was, I realized that it was really pitting men and women apart. It was it, like really destroying our culture. And I felt like so many of the problems we had in our culture was due to radical feminism and uh, liberalism, you know, progressive, progressive ideals and policies. So I, you know, noticed that the family unit was broken and it seemed like the media and it seemed like the government was almost doing things that would, would perpetuate a broken family unit and broken relationships between men and women and a broken culture. So I decided to research some more and I started voicing my opinions about this on my YouTube channel and talking against feminism, talking about what I was seeing in the culture that was broken. And I ended up losing a hell of a lot of business and fans because they were like, well, you know, you're not towing in line, you know, with the, basically the, concert, the, the progressive movement. So I got a lot of hate, but I also got a lot of people that were drawn to my beliefs and speculations, and they thought, you're really speaking the truth here, because this is something that's wrong with our culture. So I decided to um, write my first book called Making Love Great Again, and Making Love Great Again is a book about, it's not about how-to sex, uh, it's actually quite the opposite. It's about how, why our culture and our family unit, our relationships are so broken right now, and what's caused that. And I realized it's Marxism is the umbrella under which feminism, socialism, uh, these, this gender, new gender ideology that is trying to, to create all these gender neutral people. And all of these kind of um, groups um, are under the, the general umbrella of Marxism. So when I researched a lot, I really understood what Marxism was and, and how it's it, infecting our culture intentionally to break up the family unit, to break up men and women, um, to cause race wars, to cause civil unrest, and eventually usher in a, a you know, a socialist government, right? The, to strip us of, especially in America, strip us of our freedom and our constitution, replace that with a socialist or Marxist, Marxist uh, uh, government. And that's what my first book was about and what we need to do to fight that. And that's really kind of my journey on how I became more of an outspoken conservative who champions conservative ideals and values and, and why I became such a strong constitutionalist, why I became such a strong freedom fighter. Because this isn't just about, you know, I, I was just born Republican or something like that. This is about a journey that, that opened my eyes and red-pilled me to understanding the, the intentional agenda to disrupt our society and everything that's actually good for us and replace it with something that's very bad and that's basically like enslavement. So I wrote that book um, and then I went on to, I did a lot of public speaking and that really launched me into the political world because it's a, it's a highly political book. So that was my transition from like the coaching world to the political world. And I did a lot of speaking and I started going on the news to talk about the culture, talk about liberalism and feminism um, because I connected the dots. And then 
Um, last year, I decided to take that to the next level, and I decided to run for Congress because I thought, well, let's, let's really just throw myself in the fire here because there was so much uh, going on in America and so much uh, um, infighting, blockading from the, you know, the left of President Trump's agenda and the you know, conservative ideals. And you know, they're just trying to rip up our country, our way of life, our freedoms. And I just couldn't take it anymore. So I decided to throw myself in the fire, run for Congress, and then, you know, I decided to go big or go home. So I'll run for Congress against Nancy Pelosi, who's the Speaker of the House. Uh, she's the, <laughs> <laughs> she's the, she is the head of the snake of really the Democrat Party, uh, these leftist, destructive ideals, and she's guiding our country down a very destructive path, she and the left. So I decided to run for Congress against Nancy Pelosi, and that's what I did. It was a hell of a journey. Um, my campaign was really interesting. It was really fun. It was, uh, it was a lot of hard work, but eventually it concluded with me in March, with the, with the March primary election. I lost, unfortunately and sadly, and I lost to a very radical far-left socialist. And that was kind of crazy, but I wasn't too surprised because, I mean, I ran in a very tough Democrat district in a very tough Democrat state against a very tough Democrat incumbent. So I knew the chance. I knew it was a long shot to begin with, but it's very telling what ended up happening because the man who won is his parents were in a domestic terrorist organization who murdered cops and were in prison for it. And he's a, he believes that Nancy Pelosi is not far left enough. So it's kind of like, okay, pick your poison. Now it's just Nancy Pelosi or this radical socialist that is on the November election ticket. No Republican voice or choice. So you asked me to tell my whole story, so I'm about to wrap it up here. In, uh, right after I concluded my election, you know, that's what happened. It was disappointing, but it's okay. I decided to, to you know, stay on the front lines and fight. And then coronavirus happened. And then the lockdowns happened and then they declared it a pandemic and then they shut us down and quarantined us. So if a month or so into the quarantine, I'm like, well, what is there to do? I'm can't see friends. I can't see family. I can't go out. I can't do anything. I'm locked in my home. So I decided to, uh, instead of twiddle my thumbs, just write a book. And I spent the most of quarantine writing a book. And that book is called taking back America Campaign secrets I learned fighting Nancy Pelosi and the swamp. So I detail all my campaign experiences there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then uh, how to be a fearless firebrand for America's future. How to really take back America and put yourself out there and be a warrior that America needs right now and the world. I mean, you know, people from other countries uh, read my book as well. And, and, and this, is a, a, this is a war of people of those small group of elites that want to destroy our freedoms and take over us and usher in their own government versus freedom fighters, people who are willing to fight for freedom and who want that all over the world, not just America. So that's my, you know, last 10 years or so in a, in a nutshell. Well, it's pretty extraordinary. And, I, and you know, I, I came into this thinking, what's the best way to, to, get your message across in a way that doesn't immediately trigger people because a, a lot yeah. of the things you talk about people even from my own experience before I sort of open my eyes a little bit and it's not that I agree with with everything that that you say or mm -hmm. that everything that Donald Trump says or whatever but there's there's 
portions of it that I'm like, yeah, 100%. And, I, mm. you know, um, you know, you talk about the, the divorce side of things. I, I'm a child of divorce as well, Dana, and, and mm. it had a profoundly negative effect on the majority of my life until I got to a point where I was able to understand what happened, take ownership of it, and then, and then you know, reverse engineer it from there. And yeah. it's only been in the last five years where, where I've understood that a lot of the escapism and codependent behavior that I developed in that as a kid that was left un, undealt with manifested yeah. itself in the form of drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, like, mm-hmm. and all of that I've been able to knock on its head, right? In fact, right. I'm celebrating my fourth year of sobriety next month in August. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And, and in doing so, met the woman of my dreams and and am mm. very determined to make sure as best I can that I go into that relationship with the expectation that we are going to be in for the long haul. Mm. I, I've seen enough documentation that indicates that, you know, with the high rates of divorce and the impact that has on children involved and everyone else involved, it's so highly destructive to the to society. And I'm curious to know, I suppose, is that where all of this stems from, from your point of view? Like it's just this inherent desire to want to improve the world rather than blow everything up, which is what, what I think some people see when they look at you. Uh, they think that I want to blow up the world? Not, 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 <laughs> not physically, but like, you know, that, that you might be angry or aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. But in reality, I think it's more like this innate desire just to want to improve the world around you. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the, the thing is like, I, I took a, I, I've taken so many sacrifices in, in my life and in my career. I've lost friends. I've lost family members. Um, like when I came out, first of all, against, against feminism and I started t- showing women the harm in it and how it's actually taking women away from their true goals in life, which is, you know, innately most women want to, at the end of the day, be with a man who loves them, be with a soulmate, have a beautiful family and, um, and, and, you know, have that kind of partnership. It's actually more unnatural for women to work their whole lives and not have a, a family and a husband. I'm not saying that women can't work or shouldn't follow a hobby or, or, or a career for sure. But what feminism is teaching us is to do things backwards, is to work your life away, be as successful and independent as possible, to not need a man, to think of family as slavery. And then later in life, when it's too late for a lot of women to have children, then they finally realize that they've been suppressing their natural desires the whole time. So that's just, you know, I care so much about women. I want them to have everything they, they desire in life. And I'm, I'm just trying to show them the, uh, the problems, how, how feminism is actually more harmful to women. And when feminism demonizes men and breaks men down and, uh, and and teaches men that they're toxic or their their masculinity is wrong and something to be ashamed of. Broke, they become broken and and weakened. And broken and weakened men only hurt society, and they only they only hurt women. Strong, healthy, confident men uh, are an asset to society, and they're also an asset to women because strong men create strong families. Strong families create a strong country. So. You know, when it's just crazy. And, and the same thing with this latest round of, um, you know, me speaking out like about the coronavirus. And I'm talking about, 
exposing the lies behind it. There's a lot of fraudulent information that is being perpetuated by the news and by the government surrounding coronavirus. And yet we're making huge life decisions around that and decisions that are impacting our children at schools and decisions that are uh, causing people to to really um, destroy their mental health, their emotional health. Like what you said, I, I've, a lot of people are suicidal. Suicide rate has shot up. Domestic violence has shot up. Mental and, and, and emotional health has declined. Um, people are separated from their friends and family and they're out of jobs or out of work. Um, they're wearing masks and, and they're being told that they need to stay away from each other. Social distancing. This is literally changing our future. They want to usher in a new normal for us that is a dystopian new normal. It's not, it is not natural. It is not uh, healthy for us as humans and it's lacking humanity. So I fight and I say the things I say because people need to know the truth and the truth is what's going to help and heal them. You know, it's like tough love. I mean, I mean, you're not going to, it's actually, it's actually um, an evil thing to lie to people or to, to say things just because you think they want to hear them. It takes a lot more love to tell people the truth at great personal sacrifice, right? So I, yeah, I mean, a lot of people that don't get where I'm coming from, like on the left, typically they see me and they think I'm being radical or they think I'm being uh, mean or, uh, you know, racist, God forbid, or something like that, uh, misogynistic. They think that I'm just trying to rattle people up, but it's just the complete opposite. You know, the people that follow me, that support me, which are many throughout the world, you know, they, they see that they're, I'm trying just so hard to fight to, to, to make sure people have their freedom, have their health. I'm trying to warn people and sound the alarm with things that I can see happening, you know, within a year, within five years, if we don't fight back. I care so much about people's freedom that I was willing to go on an Australian interview and, and, and stand up for the freedom for Australians. I mean, maybe they don't care about their freedom, but I do. I'm protective over people's freedoms and their personal liberties. And I think um, if they would see that there's so much information that's false about coronavirus, but yet we're basing these major decisions on them, they would wake up a little bit and come around to that. So long story short, you know, I care so much about the world. I care so much about improving it. And I want people to be awake. I want people to be free, uh, free from this, um, this absolute imprison that, that the media, the mainstream media is putting us in and the left Marxist government is putting us through. You know, they would love to, if they had it their way, keep us dumb, asleep and controlled you know, with minimal personal liberty and maximum government, like a big brother style government. That's what they would love if they had it their way. And I, at this point, I'm not even, I don't even really call myself a Republican. And I don't even think the war is between Republican or Democrat or left or right anymore. It's between, there's a very clear sort of shadow government, a deep state that is running things, not just in America, but in the rest of the world. And I think the coronavirus and these, Black Lives Matter riots and everything has really, really exposed that and made it all the more obvious that there's a lot of big players and organizations that are working together. And so it's not just about Republican or Democrat, right versus left. It's people that understand what's really going on and want to preserve their freedom and preserve our way of life versus people that want to destroy our freedom, destroy our way of life and keep us in this state of minimal freedom and, and, you know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. These are God-given rights. 
and they're trying to infringe on us. I mean, I mean, just they shouldn't, you know, just lockdowns. I mean, no one's ever heard of, no one's ever done uh, a quarantine for the healthy. You know, you quarantine the sick, you don't quarantine the healthy. Um, the, all, all the restrictions that they're putting on, it, they just simply don't make sense. And people need to be asking these questions and paying more attention to, to the real facts instead of what the mainstream media continuously tells us, which we know that, they, that, that they're lying. It's like, it's like trusting a pathological liar uh, or a boyfriend, girlfriend who, who cheats on you and has lied repeatedly. Why would you keep trusting them? Mainstream media gets caught in lie after lie after lie. Why would, why would the general public still trust them? It just makes no sense. So yes, I care immensely about the future and I care so much. I'm willing to not be liked. I'm willing to lose family and friends. I'm willing to lose business and money. Um, you know, my livelihood, I mean, give me freedom or give me liberty or give me death. That's honestly how I feel. Well, I'm curious to know, Deanna, like, um, has there been a point now that you've been doing this for long enough that particularly family know that you are serious about what you're doing, that some, some of them are starting to come around and, and come back, uh, back into your life and, and start to agree with some of your, your points and your ideas? Well, you know, my parents, uh, you know, they, they're on my side. Like, they totally see it. They get it. Um, most of my brothers, they, they, they get it. You know, we're, I, I'm lucky to have a family that most of them are awake and, and most of them, you know, have the same values that I do and, and see things the way that I do. But the family members that have kind of disowned me so far, you know, the ones that are not really talking to me right now because they're offended at things that I've said, um, they're, I think, still in a period of exploring and they're still in the period of, uh, of, of waking up, you know, I think. And some friends have come around and said, you know what, I think that you've been right all along. Things are not adding up. You know, I mean, for the biggest reason, why are we, why are governors locking us down, mandating masks, uh, totally revamping schools and our whole way of life, shutting down businesses, arresting citizens for just simply daring to open their business for a day, but yet they're encouraging people to protest by the thousands as long as they're protesting for Black Lives Matter. They're protesting for Black Lives Matter, they could protest in the thousands and health experts say that there's no risk to coronavirus. But if you dare step within six feet of someone or without a mask, now all of a sudden you're highly contagious. Why do they say all of these crazy restrictions and tyrannical new orders are for the purpose of our health and safety, and yet they're releasing hundreds of thousands of violent criminals from prisons and jails with nowhere to go, just out on the loose? You can't keep telling us it's for our health and safety when they're doing things that are completely contradictory to that. And I think slowly in the last month or two, people are starting to finally see there's so many inconsistencies, there's so many hypocrisies, and things aren't adding up. And yeah, maybe you have been right. But it is kind of um, when people want to cling so much to their view, to their party, to their perspective, they don't want to admit they're wrong sometimes. And get, they think they feel like they're, they're giving in and it's weak or something. But there's nothing more strong than waking up and saying it's not your fault that you believe these things. The indoctrination is extremely strong. It's very powerful. It comes from the mainstream media and, their, and the left-wing party. It's very sophisticated. It's very intelligent. So it's nobody's fault that they believe these things necessarily. But I think um, it's really just time to, to wake up and really look at the facts on your own. 
Well, I'll share something with you, Deanna, that happened late last year. I, my, my background career-wise was in recruitment for a long time, and I took a contract job looking, working for a, a large superannuation or a 401k type mm-hmm. fund. And with two days left of my contract, I was pulled into an office uh, meeting room and told that my services were no longer required because mm. someone had taken offence to a conversation that I'd had with them linking diet and mental health. And the impact that that and and that's pretty common sense, I would think. Well, it's it's well documented in the science yeah. world, right? And mm-hmm. and I'm a big big uh, advocate of um, the truth as well, and, and being fed the right the right food and the a lot of the new like nutritional guidelines that were created in the 60s and 70s are now being worked out and debunked as the total opposite of what we should be eating as a as a race, right? Mm-hmm. And and I just thought that that was so hilarious and it ended up being a blessing in disguise. Mm. But what, I, what, I, what I'm starting to really believe, Dana, is that I'm not so sure that there's a, a directive from, let's say, let's throw Bill Gates under the bus, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that he has this agenda where he wants to, um, you know, Vaccinated repress. Yeah, like, like um, no, no, just repress I don't think that's where they come from. I think that they think that they've got a responsibility given the level, levels of power that they have and the money behind them to mm-hmm. improve the world. And as soon as, and I've seen this with, with uh, the diets that people choose, right? You've got hardcore, strict vegan dieters that absolutely believe that's the best thing for the environment, it's the best thing for animals, it's the best thing for all this other stuff. And then when you start going to the actual science, the, like the open science, the stuff that's that's being proven time and time again, it turns out that it's not. But if you believe that, if you have that indoctrination and you just keep, you know, regurgitating that over and over again, you, you believe this stuff. And and I think that, that there's a number of these instances which are sort of crescendoing into this, uh, you know, these people that have this responsibility to, you know, to – um, get equal pay and get all these things which are crossing over into that into that fem, feminism and mm-hmm. and a lot of the other stuff that you're talking about. I'm not sure if I'm articulating myself very well here, but mm. uh, I, I don't know that it's a deliberate, hardcore attempt to try and repress everyone. I think it's just a misguided thought that with people with power and influence have been able to 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 do. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well. That's what they would love for everyone to think. That's what they spin it as. You know, Bill Gates is just a humanitarian. Uh, George Soros is just a philanthropist. You know, these people, Hillary Clinton and the Clintons, they just have these foundations and they help children in Haiti, et cetera. So, the, of course, that's how they spin it. That's what they want everyone to think and how they position themselves. But have you ever read Agenda 2030, Sustainable Development Goals? Have you ever read the World Economic Forum's Great Global Reset or the Fourth Industrial Revolution by the World Economic Forum? Have you read those? Things or do, I saw some of the the, uh, the tweets that you put out a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I will get to those eventually. I'm curious to know though, what's the benefit of these agendas being brought across? What's what's the benefit to them? Well, Bill Gates, first of all, is a documented eugenicist, so he does believe in population control. He believes on what the Georgia Guidestones say, which is keeping the keeping the population um, limited. Uh, under a certain amount, they want to keep it under that. And so clearly we're way over that amount right now. And we have been for a while. So, you know, Bill Gates is 
a documented eugenicist. He yeah. he believed, like many of the elite, that they need to keep the population controlled and keep it lower. And uh, so much of what Sustainable Development Goals, Agenda 2030, and the Fourth Industrial Revolution, what and this is not conspiracy theory. These are you can look it up on their websites. You know, it's it's a clear plan that they're rolling out right now. Um, it's about you know separating humans, uh, de uh, depopulation, making limiting our you know our birth rate. So limiting the, you know the number of of children, the number of births, and that happens through uh, the promotion of Planned Parenthood, the promotion of tying uh, having children and families with sustainable development and climate change and things like that so they they disguise it under under um, you know kind of altruistic type agendas like climate change or humanitarian purposes but really you know the elitists the real elites like bill gates like the soroses like the clintons they don't look at us really like people i mean they they really look at us kind of like sheep or slaves and they have a, a view on their life they would prefer them to just live their life you know unbothered um and and have a, a lower population of earth and you know so if they had their day they would probably not really even want us here only for you know utilitarian purposes and um again it's like you just kind of have to look at that like what it all the the the, you know, all of the agenda, these certain agendas, Agenda 2030, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the Great Global Reset um, that are happening now, it's, they're all kind of leading to dehumanizing us or depopulating us. You know, the Great, real quick, so the, the um, Fourth Economic Industrial Revolution, which is, was created by the World Economic Forum, and you could look at this up on YouTube, they talk about, they clearly state that their goal right now is to put technology into humans and to, and to, and to redefine what it means to be human. So they want to have, you know, so much technology and us that kind of like we're, um, we, we blur the line between what's human and what's technology. Right. And they've already started that with vaccines. The va the COVID vaccines has um, you know, nanoparticles in it. It has our DNA in it, which actually changes your DNA. So then what does that mean? You're no longer human. So these things, you know, I could go on and on, but um, they're, they're trying to usher in sort of to, to remove our sense of humanity, to separate us from our, each other, which the social distancing is kind of, is actually social conditioning for us to, for us to be more separated and get used to us being separate away from families, et cetera. And um, a lot of the vaccines, too, are very harmful. A lot of what they're doing now is harmful. GMOs are harmful. Yeah. Right. Um, Thalilamide. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. Why are they constantly suppressing norm, like natural health remedies to naturally boost your immune system or naturally overcome depression or mental health or something? But yet they're constantly pushing pharmaceutical drugs or vaccines you know, and these, uh, you know, or technologies, these, these non um, natural remedies, it's because there's a lot of money involved. And because, you know, they're, they're actually more harmful than us to us than they are helpful. So we just have to look at the bigger picture there. And again, you can just easily Google uh, YouTube, you know, fourth industrial revolution by the World Economic Forum. It's something that they're putting in place right now 
during COVID. You know, making all of us have distance, you know, changing things from distance learning and telework, telehealth. This is all this is all part of it. Agenda 2030, otherwise known as sustainable development goals, climate change it goes into that. Vaccinations go into it. So these these are not just a little research will show you that this is not any kind of conspiracy theory whatsoever. They show you their plans right there for everyone to see. They're not hiding it. It's just people's own fault for not actually looking at this research and then taking action and doing something about it or thinking differently about the world about it. Uh, these, these people are really not for our best interests. I believe President Trump is truly fighting for the freedom fighters. He truly is fighting for the best interests of America. If I'm proved wrong, then I'll certainly be the first to admit it. But at this point, I still believe that he's fighting for us. But there, it's, it's, it's been a while since a president or a leader has really fought for that. Most of them fight for their own best interests, their own self-interest to enrich and line their own pockets. And they don't really share the same American values that um, people who fight for freedom hold dear. So that's in a nutshell. Again, you can see it, you can think it is a conspiracy theory or not, but it's very well documented and it's by reputable organizations. The World Economic Forum, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who put on Event 201. Event 201 was a live drill of the coronavirus that they put on at the John Hopkins Institute in October of 2019, just a few weeks before the first coronavirus cases were uh, all of a sudden appeared. So they went through a live drill with the World Health Organization, the CDC, all these people, including media, how the response is. And that was sponsored by Bill and Melinda Gates, The Who, and uh, the John Hopkins Institute. So they, were, they tell us what they're going to do. There's no mystery about it. It's just, it's up to us. Do we want to, do we want to continue believing what their pitch is to us? Or do we want to actually see things more clearly and know that we, they don't really have our best interests at heart? Well, it's really interesting. It's not that uh, I I ever ruled it out, Dan. It was more of a case where I was sort of hoping, you know, like surely, surely there's inherent good in in everyone, and and you know maybe at times there's not. And I, and I suppose my next question is a, a really hypothetical one, but maybe one that's not so hypothetical. If you yeah. were if you were sworn in as president of America tomorrow, mm-hmm. what would you do? Ooh, I would never want that responsibility, to be honest with you. I know everyone really? keeps saying Deanna for president, but I, I don't think so. But, you know, for Why not? the. Why not? It, I just think it would be too, too much responsibility on your shoulders and too much. And I, I think that it would really, it could corrupt you, it could wear you out. You know, you're pulled in so many different directions. You just got to be a super, super strong person uh, to, to run for president. But, um, and be a really, really good president who really works in the interests of the people. But um, what I would do is I would, if I were president, if I were President Trump, I would just hold his press conferences and actually talk about this misinformation that's going on, expose the fraudulent information behind coronavirus, number one. Um, he's not really doing that. And so then that this continues the jig, right? This this continues the excuse of the more lockdowns, the the uh, restrictions, the mask mandates, and all of that, until he says with evidence, this is a lie, this is fraudulent information, the, fa- the, the, the uh, new cases rate, the testing has, there's so many false positives, right? They're counting presumptive cases and their positives. They're counting influenza, they're counting, uh, they're counting the common cold, they're counting pneumonia. 
there are so many false positives and this is well documented. So many labs in different states have, have said this. Yeah, there was 60% false positives in this week or a couple of weeks ago, 30,000 new cases in, uh, in LA were false positives, right? In, in Florida, 333 labs declared that they were, oopsie, accidentally false positives. But yet they use those tests, those test numbers to issue these draconian measures and the damage has already been done. And the, the death rate is also false. You know, yes, some people have died solely and specifically from coronavirus. Typically, those who have died solely and specifically from coronavirus are the exact same people that would have died if they caught the, the seasonal influenza. Yeah. They're typically over age 70. They have coexisting problems, pre-existing immunity conditions, obese, diabetes, and things like that, that they have immune, immunocompromised. But they're also even putting people that didn't die of coronavirus, and they're just saying they died of coronavirus. So that is stump. I would start with that number one. Trump should make a big deal out of it, back it up with evidence, and say we need to slow things down as far as restrictions go until we get to the bottom of this misinformation. Um, he also should talk about the real studies behind masks and whether they really work for healthy people or not. Whether distance learning is really healthy for a child growing up um, with all of these restrictions and mask wearing, or is it not? Is actually going to do more harm than good? Is locking down, shutting down businesses really going to do healthy people more good or is it going to do them more harm and do our society more harm as a whole? He needs to expose the lies. I would do that with evidence and I would find a real team of health experts that would back up that data. That I would also expose the, the fraudulent um, and lies behind the Black Lives Matter, all the race wars that are going on that are completely ripping apart our country. You know, tearing down statues and monuments because somebody may have owned a slave at one point in their life 300 years ago, uh, ripping, you know, canceling Aunt Jemima, who's a black woman, you know, who who created a legacy, um, you know, and, and trying to change our national anthem and our history, pitting whites against blacks. None of this is going to help our country. None of this is going to heal our uh, our relationships. It's going to almost it's just going to worsen it. And, and Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. They say that in their, in their mission statement. They also say in their mission statement that's on their website that one of their missions is to disrupt the Western nuclear family and have children be raised by, you know, uh, communal, you know, raised by the village instead of the nuclear family. They say this in black and white. If I were president, I would expose this. I would also expose the finances behind it. Who's making money off the coronavirus? It's not us. It's the owners of the vaccine and the ones who have stakeholders in it. Who's making money off of Black Lives Matter? Black Lives Matter is being funneled. That money is going funneled right into the Democrat Party. This needs to be like front and center news instead of just going along with everything and not really um, putting foot, putting you know law and order in. President Trump tweets about it. He, he talks about law and order a lot. But I think he needs to, it's time to really drop the hammer and expose the lies, um, arrest and bring justice to those people that are uh, criminals or that have, you know, done very bad things and, um, and heal our nation through, through the truth, right? God created all of us as equal. He didn't say that whites are better than blacks or blacks are, are better than whites. And he didn't say that we should be kneeling down and groveling and apologizing for the color of our skin. You know, it's just all so it's so demonic. It's so backwards. And it's Marxism that is really the virus of the world, I believe. And I if I was president, I would expose that and and 
not even put up with it. Like it's time to move on. It's time to heal. And the only way the, the, the country is going to heal is through truth and through justice. People might have a hard time swallowing that red pill at first, but they need to hear the truth. Well, I'll tell you what, Deanna, I, uh, this is something that has, has become really, really um, front of mind for me, particularly in the last few weeks. I had a, a revered professor, uh, Professor Tim Noakes on the show. He's a South African guy. He wrote a book. Um, he's written lots of books, but he wrote the book on ultra running and, and throughout the course of his life has gone down this pathway of um, being exonerated for a lot of the health ideals he has around being able to reverse a lot of type 2 diabetes and metabolic um, disorder, which all ties into a lot of the, the COVID deaths. It's 50% of all the deaths uh, have, have type 2 diabetes. Mm. And for every one coronavirus death, there's about 5,000 people die of type 2 diabetes. So what's the real problem here? So I'm thinking, I, you know, I wanted to be the most impactful motivational speaker on the planet. Mm. And I thought, how can I get my message to the world? And I'm seriously thinking about throwing my hat in the ring and yeah. trying to become prime minister because here's the great thing, right? Here's my theory behind why this would work so effectively. Mm. I have been unashamed in the way that I talk about all of my failings Mm. And I don't have any skeletons in the skeletons. closet. Yeah. And if you go into a political arena, and you might be able to comment on this, and no one can hold anything against you, and you've got mm. a record of, of exposing your own flaws, yeah. so when people do throw dirt, then you can probably pretty well get away with it. Mm. That, that would make you, and leading by example, someone who's fit and strong and healthy, doesn't mm. drink, gamble, do, like, I think there's some value there. What are your thoughts? I love it. I would totally support you 100%. And I would advise you to get my book, Taking Back America, too, because I go through all the good, the bad, and the ugly that I experienced in my campaign, the lessons I learned, the strategies and techniques of running for office and, and what to do, what not to do. And I, I did that as well. I was uh, heavily attacked and smeared and all sorts of things. But then I decided to put it all in my book because, like, you know, I'm just going to admit here's what's true, here's what's not true. You know, here's where this this story was completely ridiculous and fake news, but put it all in my book. And like what you said, put it all out there in some format. So when they do come and attack you later, you're like, yeah, I already talked about it publicly. What's the big deal? You know, I admitted to it, it's no big deal. If you try to hide everything you try to act like you're you're perfect and you have no flaws, then you're more vulnerable to attacks. But if you're like, hey, these are the lessons I learned in life. I made mistakes. Here's how I overcame them here's the person I am now, you're really kind of more bulletproof. I say go for it and I'd love to help any way I can. Well, I'll keep you posted, Deanna, because uh, the, the, one of the issues I have is that I am I was born in New Zealand. I'm a dual passport holder. My father's oh, okay. Australian, but they the rules currently exist. I, I don't know that I can become prime minister, but anything's possible. But you right? can try, right? Can you just oh, throw yeah, hell yeah. Just run a campaign. We need more uh, truth tellers and freedom fighters out there running, even in Australia and other countries. Well, this has been really fascinating, Dan, and, I, and mm. I'm curious to know what's what's the five year plan for Dan Lorraine. <laughs> well, the five year plan, I it depends a little about where the country is going, but you know, I mean, number one, you can count on me being on the front lines of the fight in any capacity, as you see on Twitter or my social media, I'm, I'm out there and I say things because I believe I, I'm just a, a warrior for truth and justice. 
And I don't hold back, but that's because we need to know the truth. And like I said, we can't heal unless truth and justice occurs. So you can expect that I'll be out there uh, throwing fire, talking, you know, spreading the truth. I will be fighting. I will most likely run for office again um, in the next year. I will most likely, a lot of people are wanting me to run for Congress again or another office. Some people said governor. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I will most likely run again. I want to, I want to speak. I want to do, um, you know, I, I, I want to speak to college students, especially in high school students and help them understand the truth and know that there's another way. They don't have to buy into the leftist radical indoctrination that's being passed down to them in schools, um, help them become really self-sufficient and empowered uh, to, and brave to speak their mind and to, to follow their, their truth. So yeah, I'm sure you're going to catch me on uh, you know, speaking and, and running for office again, maybe in Trump's cabinet. That would be pretty cool if I was a, a spokesperson for Trump. And we'll see what happens. You know, I might do something internationally. Well, I think I think we might need to revisit this and have you on the show in the future yeah. at some point again, just to to see how far we've come. And, and yeah, um, and you know, I think it's important to 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 state and preface that the the whole point of having you on here, Deanna, was just really to get your side of the story. And and people don't have to agree with what you're saying or yeah. what I'm saying for that matter. It's just it's you know the truth will set you free and whatever that truth, or that's all I want. I want the truth. Yeah. And if I've made a, if I've made a big error in judgment and following my, the diet or the, the <laughs> um, progressive, you know, or whatever it is, I'll admit, I'll, yeah, okay. I made a mistake. I just want the truth. That's right. All. Yeah. I'm, I'm a warrior for truth and justice and, and I, I will fight for America. And before I got rudely cut off by America, uh, Australian today show by the, by the reported by the anchors, because I was sharing some facts, you know, and people lambasted me for saying that that Australians going through their lockdown, it's kind of like a prison. I was in no way trying to be offensive to the Australians, the citizens there. In fact, I, I just was trying to stand up for them because I have a protective instinct when other people, uh, when their freedom is getting infringed on. And it doesn't matter if it's in America or another country. I felt the same way toward Italy and people share stories. So I have a protective instinct for your freedom and I will fight for you even if you don't want to fight for yourself. And lastly, I'll just say, you know, just feel in your heart, you know, pl unplug from the news a little bit and, and feel in your heart. Do things really feel right? You know, does it really seem right to get locked down again, to have mandated masks, you know, when they said that those worked and now they're doing it again and again? I mean, when you look at all this information circling out there and the real events use common sense and logic and reason, do things really feel right? Or do they think, do seem things a little bit off? Do you think it seems not like, you know, they're not adding up and everything. If they feel a little bit wrong, things don't add up a little bit to you. I really encourage you to research and don't just take my word for it. You know, research, get multiple sources before you come to a conclusion, research alternate news sources, look up your questions on YouTube and other places and really just trying to try to get more curious to find out the facts for yourself instead of believing what the uniform narrative is. So I want everyone to be free. I want everyone to be, um, to be happy. And I want to have a world where we have strong families, strong relationships, and maximum freedom. And where can we find you, Deanna? Yeah, you can get my book, Taking Back America, Campaign Secrets I Learned Fighting Nancy Pelosi and the Swamp on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Learn all the good, bad, and the ugly of that. So find that on Amazon. You can go to my website at dianalorraine.com. 
but definitely follow me on my Twitter because I'm very active there. It's Deanna for Congress. That's D-E-A-N-N-A for Congress. I do a live stream Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I answer your questions and everything, um, but get, get connected with me through social media. Well, this has been fascinating, Dan, and I just want to thank <laughs> you for your generous time today, and I wish you yeah. all success in the future, whatever that might look like. Thank Ladies you, and, and thanks for being so open-minded too. You know, thanks. It's, glad, it's great to have this kind of connection and conversation and see what's happening in other countries as well. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Deanna Lorraine. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.